check, check. David T. Miller, folks. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. Oh, it's Artcast, it's Artcast, it's Artcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen by your easel, maybe you can grab a chair. Or even take it with you like you ain't got no care. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. So sit back and relax and grab your headphones too. Adjust your volume, it's hotcast. Philip J. Mellon welcomes you. So sit back. Oh yeah, it's Artcast. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. Hey, and welcome to Otcast. Be sure to check out the artist's websites or otcast.com and check out the work and links. All right, let's get started. Today's guest is Chicago-based painter Renee Robbins. In this episode, Renee shares her experiences early on that sparked her interest in art making, like ceramics in high school, and how she was able to set up an independent study to gain much more experience and exposure to art making. Moving through the conversation, we talk about her daily drawing series quite a bit, which was quietly on the experimental side, yet held some parameters which we both are in favor of when developing a series. Many a shout out to Chicago and the artists there in the community. Renee truly made me want to pack up and head there myself. So thanks for joining us today. Oh, and listen for my two-line poem about her work and so much more. Stay tuned. So Renee, welcome to Outcast. Hi, Phil. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Where is your studio located? I live in Chicago in a neighborhood called Albany Park. It's on the northwest side. It's about eight miles from downtown and about 10 miles from uh, the Chicago here, one of our main airports. And, but yeah, I'm on the north side and I can ride my bike to the lake. Um, Takes about, it's about four miles to the lake. I don't live. You know, I have a lot of friends that live right on the lake, but uh, four miles is a good bike ride, so I can just hightail it over there. And there's this great uh, um, trail that goes all along the lakeshore uh, in Chicago. It's like 18 miles. So, and it's just such a beautiful way to see the city. And um, I just really love uh, riding it in the summer, fall, and spring, just kind of enjoying the landscape of the city. That's cool. So what else? I wanted you to give a shout out to Chicago and I didn't know what else you could tell me about it. Cause you know, 
for those of us who hasn't been there like myself? Yeah, I love Chicago. I've been here about uh, 13 years. It's been a, it, one thing I really like about Chicago is there's just I'm still exploring. Um, even though I've been here about 13 years, which I feel like makes me an official Chicagoan (laughs) when you've been there, like after a a decade, but there's a really great, uh, art scene here, um, from the gallery scene to apartment galleries, lots of artist run spaces. We have a lot of, uh, wonderful museums, um, in addition to the Art Institute of Chicago, uh, some of my other favorite, and then we have the Museum of Contemporary Art Chicago. Some of my other favorite museums uh, is the DePaul Art Museum, which is a university museum, but they sh- they tend to focus on a lot of uh, local artists, and they just have really stellar uh, programming. Um, and I just really love going there. Uh, the Chicago Cultural Center, um, I remember going that the Chicago Cultural Center is a big uh, government building. It's downtown, but it used to be the Chicago Public Library. And they have an exhibition program and it's on three floors. I think the Chicago Cultural Center, it's like five or six floors. Um, but they have fantastic uh, exhibits. And I remember visiting the cultural center before I moved here and going there and just like being blown away and just being excited about how, you know, that the, that you can just go in there and it's free. You don't even have to pay admission yeah. and see all these amazing exhibits. So they usually kind of have like a blockbuster exhibit on the top floor and then, um, and then they show kind of more, emerging uh artists i mean this is kind of generalizing it but they they sometimes show emerging artists on the first floor they have three kind of rooms sometimes people have solo shows there and they do uh different things but about a year i think you know that i'm sure you know the painter uh carrie james marshall have you heard of him or maybe not okay so he's a He's a Chicago artist. I'm bad artist. at that stuff. <laughs> That's a, oh, no worries. Well, that gives me a chance to sort of talk about him and explain cool. his work. He's just so um, kind of big in Chicago. So he did a big retrospective uh, at the Museum of Contemporary Art. I think it was like a year or two ago. And that traveled to the LACMA in L.A., and then I think also to New York. So that that was kind of his big... Wow. retrospective but he he is an um an african-american artist and his goal was to paint he's a figurative painter but to paint you know when he was growing up painting um he didn't see any uh you know people that looked like him in the museums yeah and and so his goal was to make to to change that to change to put to have his paintings in the museum so, uh, but I, I'm, the reason why I bring him up in relationship to the cultural centers, he, when he first moved to Chicago, he came to teach, I believe at the Art Institute. Um, and he was living in this like uh, tiny room at the MCA. I went to this talk of his and, uh, and he showed a pic, it was like a slide lecture kind of thing. Yeah. And he showed a picture of his first studio in Chicago. And he like lived in this tiny, like, it was just like had a tiny little bed in it. And he was making these like gigantic paintings, 
Like yeah. they weren't stretched. They were like on roll. Like he put these like little grommets and then, and that was, and he showed some of those pieces at the Museum of Contemporary Art just a year or two ago. And I think I'm pretty sure that was like, maybe it was like 2016 when yeah. that show opened. Um, but I remember just being like, <laughs> when he showed that room and just like that he made those paintings like these are like you know 15 feet wide paintings by you know 12 feet high or yeah. something like that in a tiny little room and I remember just being like that's crazy but he uh he recently uh did a big mural on the cultural center uh that was two years ago so I believe that was like in 2018. So, and he showed at the cultural center when he first moved here. And then now there's this beautiful mural that he did of a uh, Chicago, uh, uh, prominent Chicago, like poets and, uh, and different um, people that need to be celebrated. So like yeah. the poet Gwendolyn Brooks or people, you know, African-American um, people that, live here so it's sort of a a tribute a tribute to them in a way is what the mural is about cool. so there's a there's a couple of things in there i wanted to ask you i mean i know you've done some murals and also i wanted to ask you if because of your titles i was wondering if you write at all or if you can would consider yourself a poet uh i don't consider myself a poet uh i usually think of my titles i have like a little well i have a title folder that I like brainstorm. So I sort of, when I think of titles, I have like a, it's sort of like a stream of consciousness. When yeah. I look at the painting and just like write that, I usually do it after uh, I finish the painting. Oh, and okay. uh, I very rarely, sometimes I think of a painting like in the process, but usually it's afterward. And it's sort yeah. of, you know, it's like I'm forced to think of a title because I have to put the the JPEGs on my computer and I have to organize them. <laughs> so, like, if you don't title them, you're just going to be really confused. So, at that point, that's usually when I uh, title them. And I have a little book uh, as well that I keep in my studio. So, sometimes when I'm painting, like listening to a song or hearing something, um, like sometimes I listen to books and stuff. I write the words down and then I look at this whole, this folder that I have and this little book where I write stuff down and I just kind of review it every time I think of titles. So I'm sort of that I've been doing it this way probably for, I don't know, quite a while. I'd say at least 10 years. So this file is pretty thick so I can just go back and look at where I was and it just kind of yeah. gets me in that like mode of uh, thinking about my titles. Um, but I would really like to write more. That's something that uh, it, it kind of like intimidates me. Okay. Um, like if I, like I've been thinking recently that I really wanted to like start, uh, you know, like an not necessarily like an artist blog about like going to art shows or I'm not sure exact that sounds a little vague or maybe just about I just wanted to do something to. I don't know, to just think more critically about the art that I see. And yeah. then I was thinking about all of these questions and I'm like, well, what would that be? Would that just be Chicago or, or would it be also like when I go to other places and visit shows, I could write about, I don't know. It's just something I've been thinking about because 
uh, it sort of intimidates me a little bit, but I'm like, you know what? That's probably a good reason to do it. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's like, you just take that first step, you know? And, um, like it, it it's gonna like, it's gonna be like organic, you know? I mean, when you start yeah. doing it, you know, you'll think of a new idea the week after and you didn't have before, obviously. And I don't know. It's just, if you have the inclination to do it, I would say go for it, you know? Well, yeah. And I write, you know, I write artist statements. I, yeah. I usually try to write a couple sentences about each one of my series. And so that's definitely a process with like yeah. editing and narrowing it down. I also try to write, uh, two to three sentences about each one of my artworks. Um, that's something I kind of slack on a little bit, but I try to, um, yeah, I just try to, I, that's something I try to do. So although all of my major works, I have like a couple of sentences. Yeah. So I'm just kind of like being a little more critical about myself conceptually beyond just what the series is about. And then what the individual, uh, paintings are about. That's cool. I'd say it's probably a response to um, being an abstract artist. Yeah. And something I would say probably the most common question that I get is usually like, what is it? Or, you know, <laughs> and I think that's usually someone's first, uh, you know, thought and they're, they're trying to figure it out. And they want me to tell them, you know, to tell them what it is yeah. and sometimes you know they want they want to be able to kind of logically figure it out which right. is kind of fun it's that's how people sort of start to enter into the work so that's just kind of a thought that i that i had about that i had a two paintings in a show once and uh the a friend of mine who i've actually known for a while he asked me, he said, well, you know, tell me about your paintings. And I thought, oh, my God, why don't you ask me a question? <laughs> I'm better at answering I questions. Know. Yeah. <laughs> like direct well, questions versus like just out of nowhere. You know, I, I have difficult time with that. I clam up and, <laughs> you know. I, I feel that I do, too, because it's, it's like when, you know, I have, you know, things that I say, but it's like when somebody says, like, what is your art about? It's yeah. so it's such a big and a broad question. And yeah. there's a lot of pressure there. So yeah. like, and then you also want to keep it kind of casual and fun as right. well, because you're yeah. just like having, you're like having a conversation with someone. So. So I guess we can uh, jump into your process a little bit more. Okay. Okay. I was just curious early on, like what were some of your early experiences making art? When do you feel like you got serious about it? Well, as a kid, I really wanted to be a marine biologist. Like that uh, was sort of my first uh, thing that I wanted to be as a kid. I remember just like loving, you know, learning about different species and I loved fish in the sea and that kind of thing. But I grew up in, uh, in Indiana and in Kentucky. So I was pretty far away from the ocean. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but that was something that I always wanted to do. But I think that sort of aha moment uh, that I remember uh, where I was like, oh, I just really want to do this is I was uh, I was a freshman in high school. And uh, that was <laughs> uh, 1993. But that was the year that uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas came out. Uh -huh. And I remember watching that. Uh, with a friend of mine and just being like blown away. Yeah. Like 
I remember just, I just like loved all the like claymation and all, I just, I loved the whole thing. And I said to myself, I'm like, I'm going to be a claymation artist. You know, oh, I'm like, so cool. I'm gonna, I, like, I want to do that. Like, that's so cool. And, uh, so I started taking, uh, ceramic classes, uh, in high school. And then I also took like a drawing class as well. And I took ceramics all through high school. Um, and then I sort of stopped. I was like, oh, I've had enough of that. I don't want to do ceramics anymore. <laughs> but I was also uh, painting at that time, too. And after I took all the classes that my high school had, and we had a, a pretty good, well, I went to two different high schools. I went to one in Indiana, uh, which was my freshman year in South Bend, South Bend, Indiana. And then I moved, my family moved to Kentucky. Uh, my sophomore year, and I s continued to sort of take art classes there, but we had sort of a cool uh, art program. Uh, so we had a ceramics teacher, and we also had like a painting and general art teacher, but like what I was leading to is that after I took all the classes that they had, um, I wanted to do more art, and what was cool it, about my high school was is they allowed me to work with the uh, teachers to develop uh, independent study so I could uh, develop my own assignments with the teachers and just be in the classroom with the, you know, like art 101 or whatever it was called. And so my teacher had like stretcher bars and like Utrecht paint and like real canvases. So we actually like stretched our own canvases. So I was like painting uh, you know, when I was 14. So that's when oh, that's I cool. felt that I really, I don't know, it was there and I, they, they allowed me, uh, to do it. So that was really fun. That's cool. You, you got somewhat of an early start with like stretching canvases and everything, huh? I did. It was cool. Yeah. I think that's kind of not typical for most, uh, high schools. So I guess I was really lucky, uh, that my, uh, that my art teacher, you know, uh, figured out how to do that with their budget. I think the reason why a lot of places don't do it is because it's expensive with supplies right. and all that stuff. And a lot of schools in Chicago don't a lot of the public schools don't even have art classes. Uh, cause especially now they're really focused on like STEM and that kind of stuff. And it, um, it's just kind of sad that, you know, somebody can like go all the way through middle school and hardly have any art experiences yeah. we do have some really cool like there's a there's a high school here that's like chicago academy for the arts and i uh well there's two of them i'm trying to remember but one of them's like a public school so you but you can like go and apply and you have to get in and stuff but it's such a cool high school some of my uh artist friends teach there and they have like mural classes oh, and wow. you know this is for somebody that like decides at a young age they want to go to this uh you know high school for the arts but that high school is pretty cool but a lot of people don't have the opportunity to you know even try that at that age until they become an adult and then it's so like pushed down your throat like that's not something that's worth your time so yeah <laughs> i feel like with your imagery, uh, for some reason, I wanted to ask you like what your most influential inspiration is, uh, activity or research or something other than those things. Yeah, that's a really good question. I like that question. 
I'm most influenced by the natural world. I would say both the seen and the unseen part of the natural world, like cellular division, mitosis in plants, botanicals, aquatic creatures. So the cosmos, it's sort of all of that range. And I'm just really inspired about learning about our world, newly discovered sea creatures. Um, I, those are all sort of part of my visual toolbox that I've been um, just kind of referencing and abstracting uh, over time. I like to look at a lot of like magazine pictures and uh, YouTube videos of sea creatures. Yeah. I, I enjoy going on hikes. Uh, all throughout the seasons, whether it's like winter or spring or fall or summer, um, I, I, I just like to, I feel that really like feeds me. And we have a lot of like nature type things, even though I'm like living in the city. Uh, there's, uh, I'm about a half a mile from another bike path that I really love. It's called the North Branch Trail. And that bike path I can take all the way to the Chicago Botanical Garden and uh and then just walk around and look at like all the it's a really long bike ride it's like it's like it's like uh you know i think it's 20 miles to get there so like that's like a pretty long day uh, and i'm usually pretty beat by the time i get back but that's one of the things that i think really feeds me and i like i i love going to the shed aquarium um i used to go to the shed aquarium i think we went on a trip there when i was in middle school when i lived in Indiana. And I just remember just like, uh, loving that. Um, I, I just love the, like how things grow. Um, I think about sort of growth and what that is. It's more than just a plant, uh, like a plant growing. Uh, it's a natural phenomenon. It's, it can be also geological. It can be, uh, chemical, or it could also be like out in the cosmos, like with a star, like with a supernova exploding. So I think growth is growth in nature and different uh, natural phenomenon really kind of uh, feed my work. That's cool. There was a couple of words that I pulled from your artist statement, which was microscopic and telescopic. And I just like the idea of the duality with that. I don't know if there's anything more you could say about those things, like just visually how, how they make their way into your work. Like when I'm talking to somebody and they want to know about my work, that's usually what I say. Like that's like in my one sentence that I like use to describe my work, like microscopic, telescopic. I like to think about um, um, making a painting sort of through those lenses as it's yeah. a way to kind of discover the world in a way or worlds that we don't really have easy access to like cells under a microscope is not something that, you know, we experience, like we don't need a cell down the street. Like it's not like walking around, but in my paintings that I sort of imagine them that way. Um, So I really enjoy the act of discovering in that I'm thinking about the lens uh, or looking through the lens uh, while I'm painting. Um, but it's sort of like imagined in a way. Cause like, I, I like, I like to think about it as small and large, but, and I'm looking at references, 
But then sometimes I'm just working from memory and totally inventing things. Yeah, like and, an imagination type thing. Or? Yeah, yeah. Like so, there. And I and I want that. That's something that's important to me. I want that interplay to be in the work. I like there to be some mystery. Like, well, that looks familiar. I might know what that is, but I don't. And I like that it's sort of. I want it to be sort of mysterious. That it's not totally easy to figure out. Like, is that a real thing or is it not a real thing? Because sometimes I do paint um, real things. Like there's, uh, like some recurring motifs in my work that I use a lot. Like I, I paint, I've been painting this, uh, tracheid structure, uh, I think all the way since like undergrad and tracheid is similar to the trachea in the human body, but the tracheid is a structure when you look at plants and it, and it carries the nutrients to different parts of uh this the wall the cellular wall in plants and it's like this like beautiful webbing it's almost sort of like it can look like fish scales or webbing or a spider web but uh that's something i kind of keep coming back to and painting that that pattern in my work next renee and i talk about her daily drawing series she had going with a total of 366 works on paper. Do check out artcast.com for the link to view the series on Renee's website, even as you listen, perhaps. It's worth the trip. Okay, listen in. It's interesting about the microscopic and telescopic and how in looking at the drawings, the daily drawings of yours, uh, and mo most of the work actually almost the whole the, the whole sweep of your portfolio if you will or your you know your your series and and that that there's this like and maybe obvious but to me just in looking at it i see i see not a limitation of say where the the frame is on the painting itself but it looks as though the organisms if you will are are entering our view from say left to right or right to left like it's almost like a window into a specific selection of what they're doing there's a peripheral vision thing that happens when they go beyond my, my sight, if that makes any sense, like in a microscope, you know, they're coming from the right, but they, that's not the end of their body or, or the, the cell or what have you. I'm trying to like put this into words. It's <laughs> like, it continues beyond the periphery of the frame. Right. And it's I not, see what you're saying. I'm sorry. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So I just thought that was fun. Um, and you know, cause it, it adds some, some of the mystery cause you're wondering how long is this form or how long is that shape? How much of this, this body part am I seeing? I don't know. Like, it's almost like a, like as if you potentially were at the aquarium and you can't see the whole, the whole form of the, the sea creature that you're looking at, but you know, there's more to it, but it's a still image. So, um, Oh, I like that. There's sort of like some mystery. I love that you were thinking about like what's happening beyond the periphery uh, of the frame. Cause that's really, that's really exciting that they're like moving around and then it's kind of stimulating your imagination in a way. And that it's making you think of like what happened before, yeah. what happened above and what happened after that. There's right. this like, I like that. I really enjoy that thought of like this past present future or up, down, sideways, diagonal, yeah, or something it's, like that. I, I like that 
uh, look, look into, into the, into the artwork. Like and you were, th you were thinking like the daily drawings specifically or some of the other ones or a lot of the daily drawings, but even, and then I started to see it in your other more recent series work. Okay. Um, like back in art school, when you're doing simple 2d drawings or paintings, and you know you would leave a section of the circle out but your eye would complete it kind of a thing you know it's like the little trick and you know tools of the trade if you will for later on yeah yeah like that's a, that's a real good trick <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that 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 was kind of happening to me with your work and it's just like it's like textbook cool. sort of like a strong way of you know doing that to the viewer <laughs> oh that's really fun that's really fun yeah, um, so it just took me about a half an hour to say that. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, but I, I think it's a super interesting conversation. Uh, I enjoyed the daily drawing projects because I was working more like in a sequence because for like for each week, I would come up with like either I would come up with some rules or some boundaries for that week's drawings. Yeah. Um, and whether that was like a color palette or a subject or a shape or a particular medium, like I, I, that project is fun to do, or I like doing sort of that one. I was really regimented, like I'm going to make weekly daily drawings. Um, <laughs> and I'm, and my rule was I have to make it, I have to start and finish it each day. Um, but I, each time I had to come up with some parameters because otherwise there was just too many, too many choices or things to do. But I liked, uh, focusing on a subject, uh, and doing different things with it, like, and making seven little drawings or paintings or whatever. You, I, I started that series like, oh man, I need to draw like with a pencil. So I'm yeah, gonna yeah. I'm gonna make pencil drawings, but I don't like making pencil drawings. Or like if I start with making a pencil drawing, I want to like put color on it. So <laughs> to me, I like wanted to get to the color uh, right. of the right away. So I that's uh, they that they to me it was more about I just I like making in color. Like graphite is like too gray for me, I guess. Yeah. I w um and what did spark another idea was the the daily drawings, and I was wondering if you'd ever consider making a flip book. Ooh, that'd be cool! I would love that. Yeah, that'd be really fun. So, those are so cool. So that you could print it, right? Oh yeah, I imagine like small enough where it would like mechanically be a flip book, so it would, you know, I guess cardstock or what have you, but um. And it could be, you know, whether you want to print editions or, I mean, anything goes, I guess. <laughs> I've absolutely never thought of that, but that is such a cool idea. I would love to do that. I think that, like, my work could lend itself to that. That'd be just such a fun yeah. uh, moment. That'd be really, that'd be really fun. It makes perfect sense to, to me. I mean, just looking at your work is what sparked it. So that's, that's like, inherently part of what you're doing, I think. You know, when you think about growth of you know a certain organism or or any of that really um and you know you could travel through its its life cycle <laughs> i love that i love that and that's sort of you know that one of my series which i don't know if you looked at uh which it was the biota series 
But that series, uh, in a biota, it, what biota means, it's all the flora and fauna of a particular biome, like, okay. say, the Arctic or uh, under the sea or in the desert or something. But what I tried to do in that series, which uh, I, that series I really think of as a sequence. Like, yeah. there's some paintings that are the beginning of that uh, biota, and some are sort of in the middle, and some are, it's like the evolution of that biota and how it changes over time. So it's sort of like uh, the history of my own invented biota. And I had a lot of fun, you know, just thinking about that. Like, this is the beginning of the universe. Yeah. You know, this is the end of the universe. And, um, and that was something I, like a, series of larger acrylic paintings that I worked on for, I don't know, like two years or something on that particular series. One of the things, um, also with the daily drawings, I was curious how you handle overlapping of imagery. Like, do you go back and forth or do you paint background to foreground or, or, or <laughs> reverse? <laughs> I would say I usually do background to foreground. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes, like some of the ones that have like an all over color, I would start with like a, you know, a real washy ink yeah. um, and then kind of do colored pencil and oh, uh, cool. gouache over that. A lot of those like the Did gouache, you say gouache. I'm sorry. Gouache. Yes. Oh, OK. Cool. So a lot of those are gouache and that P.H. Martin's ink stuff like that. Okay that uh that's what a lot of the watercolor color is i didn't use any traditional traditional watercolor um in those um and i just bought some watercolors and anyway but let me go back let me i'm trying to remember what i was going to say um with that uh a lot of those daily drawings started with a pencil sketch like i would make the outline of the form and it's funny that I would like do these daily drawings with like gouache because yeah. it's such like a muddy like paint or it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like hot, like it's hard to like move around and it's, it's just like really slow compared to like the flow of like a watercolor. So I think it's funny that I just got like, <laughs> like, like real tight with all the like gouache paintings and marks. Um, yeah, because it's a slower way to paint, right? Yeah, it's a slower yeah. way to paint. Some of them I made with like a quill pen and ink, you know, and that's like a really, but I think I just enjoy, like, I just like that obsessive nature of it. And yeah. the gouache was different than the paintings I was making in my studio at the time, which were like acrylic paint. Um, yeah. And it just behaved uh, a different way. So I was trying to use materials and things that were a little more immediate i could make them quicker um and then they really just like it stemmed a lot of i a lot of that that i learned from in that project uh, it just kind of really influenced my work for like the next couple of years and then my larger paintings too and I've been thinking about since then that oh, I need, and sometimes I do like small drawings and stuff. Um, but I, I keep thinking like, oh, I should start that again. Or like yeah. last year I was like, oh, I should do like a daily drawing, like once a week. Like, I don't, um, I don't know, but I have a way, I have a way when I start something, it's like hard for me to stop. 
<laughs> so like I have to make a choice, like, cause I have so many things that I want to do and you have to do the thing that you want to do the most. So in trying to just listen to, uh, you know, your heart and what you want to do the most. Cause it's like, I get pulled in a lot of directions and I'm, I feel like really scatterbrained sometimes in the studio, yeah. um, that I'm like, uh, Oh, I should do some more works on paper. Oh, I got to do this painting. And then you just get like, you got to like, okay, I have to make this, I'm going to make this. And that's what I'm going to work on. Is it like, um, does that happen? Do you plan things out? Like, is it a thought process or do you feel like you're going in like a different kind of flow to like, say you well, focus on one thing? I would say both. Sometimes yeah. I do plan stuff out and sometimes I don't. So when I've done, I'm starting to, in the last couple of years, uh, I do some murals and some public artworks. And for those, I really do have to plan them out because if you're making this like gigantic painting, um, you need to have a sketch and you need to have a color plan and you need to get permission, first of all, from the yeah. people who are commissioning you. But then you also want to, you know, know how much of this color to order. There's a lot of kind of math and figuring out like the square footage of that. And then also, if you're working with a team of other people, uh, it's good to have a, a plan. But then also, how I'm doing preliminary sketches in my studio, I would say I don't usually do preliminary sketches. Like, my process begins, it's very, like, intuitive. So when I start a painting, I it's usually, like, uh, real washy acrylic paint. And I don't usually have, like, uh, a specific idea and then I start the painting uh, by layering uh, real thin layers of acrylic paint, sort of like watercolor. And then as I'm doing that, the idea for the painting kind of takes root, so to say. And then that's when I start like looking at all my, uh, my magazine pictures and watching YouTube videos. And I might put like a little creature in there or... Sometimes after when I paint something, it sort of becomes embedded in my brain. So sometimes I just remember something that I painted and put it in there or my recurring motifs. So I try to switch it up a little bit. But I would say in the past year, I've been trying to I've been doing a little more preliminary sketches for my works because I've been doing some large paintings in my studio, like six by six feet. And I've been starting with a rough plan a little more. And that's kind of a little bit of a change for me because I never used to do that yeah. but the murals and doing the public artwork you know it, it kind of like doing all for going from being a very intuitive painter to trying to do you know preliminary sketches for a public artwork it's like it's a different sort of thought process so I'm trying to make it a little easier on myself to make preliminary sketches part of my studio process so the design process isn't so like out of my element my normal element of how I paint um yeah. so I've been doing like thumbnail sketches just kind of simple uh shapes or kind of figure ground relationships uh or kind of thinking about a color palette or something when I've been starting paintings and that's sort of 
I would say a little bit newer to my studio process in the last uh, couple of years. So I'm trying, I like, I want to sketch and do <laughs> preliminary stuff, but I, I find a lot of times when I start doing that, it becomes like its own piece. And then it's not, then I make it and then it's done. I don't know. And then I'm like, yeah, done. it takes some of the steam <laughs> out of it. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. not, I like it. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I made that and now I want to make another thing, I guess. So I got to not tell people what I'm going to do. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to make hand collages and I'm going to cut a, a bunch of them out. And then I make two and I'm like, oh, I'm spent. <laughs> like, I know. I find like, that like, if you tell people and then you don't make it, it you like feel bad, but nobody cares. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. but you feel bad. Cause you're like, I said I was going to do this and then I didn't. <laughs> so you just like, you let yourself down. Yeah. And I do that too. And I think, <laughs> and sometimes when I make artwork for shows or I'm trying to get out of the habit of like, I'm going to make this painting for that show, you know, yeah, like yeah. I, I think that's a bad, I, or I, I'm, I'm trying to get out of that mindset that I'm just, I need to just make work. And, and, you know, then the date is going to come and the deadline and the show is going to happen, but I don't want to like make, a painting for like a particular person or something. I don't know. Yeah. You see what, you know what I mean? Well, I guess there's some parameters that are easy to work within versus others, I guess. Is that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, having a show to work towards, like if you have one scheduled is great. And if you have like, maybe like for me anyway, my, my experience, like the last show I had, I had one compositional parameter and then i just went for it you know and it was it was so cool of course the sh having a show helps <laughs> but i try the not to put too many good. the that? deadlines are good the yeah. deadlines are good i think yeah but yeah what were you saying you were you were like you had the compositional parameters i like that yeah and that was pretty much it really and i just allowed the way the way that i painted prior to that um boundary if you will then to to just happen you know um but it was nice because it, it created probably my my biggest series that i've ever made so that was nice oh Without, i love that's fun yeah i mean you know because otherwise i'm just like oh i'm gonna make four paintings that are like geometric and then i'm like all of a sudden i don't i didn't necessarily plan anything like when i was doing that and i and i just felt like it would be helpful to me to really yeah. flesh something out at, you know more than say seven paintings you know to see right. what what would happen, you know, and it just so happened, like I needed more than seven for the show. So that was another thing. <laughs> so it helped all around, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that was cool. And I'm trying to do that again and it's proving to be really difficult. <laughs> I guess I got to find a new parameter, you know, um, you got to give yourself some new restrictions or parameters or something. Yeah. I feel like sometimes you have so many choices, you just get like, overwhelmed and that happens to me a lot yeah. like you know when i start a painting i'm just like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> you know like you're starting a new paint i find the beginning of the painting is the hardest part a lot of times for me yeah so it, do you it's think like the like, white canvas or more just sitting there with a complex idea that's been building or I think it's the white canvas and just yeah. like thinking about the journey ahead and kind of the struggles that you're going to have with that piece. And it's just yeah. kind of like procrastination maybe. And just, I think fear, I think if anything, it's like a little yeah. bit of feelings of fear that I have, uh, a fear of failure. Cause like you want to make 
uh, an amazing painting. Of course. And yeah. you, but you, like you have this, like you stretch this canvas and you put the gesso on it. <laughs> you spent all this money on it. You spent all this time on it. Becomes it becomes too precious. Uh, like, yeah, I, I have problem. I have the precious problem. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that is like really, I get in that mode a lot. Uh, yeah. And and it's it's i it's hard to sometimes let go yeah i mean i'm laughing but it's because i guess maybe you have to <laughs> you know it, but it's his thing it's a real thing totally yeah. totally so i want i have another question okay and i wasn't sure if you could tell me what your most experimental thing you've done to a piece or say a few of them or is there anything that made its way into your series that was experimental I would say the the daily drawing project is very kind of was experimental to me um, in that I had to make so many decisions like on on a daily basis, like with different papers or found like sometimes I would draw on like a map um, like a like I you know, I have all these like things that I'm like hoarding around my studio that I yeah. never that, you know, that I never use, it, it gave me a chance to do all, to do all these things you sort of have in mind that you might want to do someday, but you're not like super invested in it. It's like, uh, it's just like a quick little thing. So that's maybe how I would experiment at a small scale, but on a large scale, uh, I know I've mentioned the murals a little bit, but those have, those really impacted me. So the first mural that I did I would say that was pretty experimental because that was the first time that I'd ever even used spray paint. Like oh, yeah. I'd never, I'd never used spray paint before. Yeah. And, uh, that sort of terrified me. And I was like super intimidated. Like, how am I gonna like use the nozzle? And I have all these, uh, amazing friends here in Chicago. Uh, and luckily I had some friends that could kind of give me some pep talks through it through yeah. some things that I was, you know, um, freaking out about, but that was like, and then to use something that you're not familiar with on a really large scale where yeah. you could potentially fail or it, you're going to make this really ugly thing for everybody to see. <laughs> so I would say that was experimental, but you know, you know, in this, in a way it's a tool and once, you know, I kind of learned on the wall while I was there, yeah. you know, so, and I just, you know, it was another tool. Like I still am myself, but I'm just using another tool. I'm using a spray can and I'm on a lift and I'm going up and down and I'm, and there's all these like garbage trucks going by me, <laughs> you know, and cars and people yelling at you while you're painting. Oh. Um, it's, it's really funny, like painting in public. You know, because, uh, you know, everybody wants to talk to you and it's hard because you're like, uh, I have to work, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's part of, that's part of like what painting outside is. It's a different, you know, you're like on display, you're almost like creating a performance. And like, that was like really tough for me. Cause like, I remember like being in art school and I would like paint like in the middle of the night when nobody else was there because I didn't yeah. want anybody to see what I was doing. Um, and uh, it's, it's, 
so that's sort of like uh, a fear thing. So being experimental can be scary, but I, it's something I try to do because I think it's important to experiment because that's how you can really uh, grow. Uh, that's how you can really grow as an artist. Yeah. I mean, you had, because you, was it the first time with spray paint and uh, scale being jumped yeah. up that? Yeah. yeah. So that's a, that's a big two, two deal. <laughs> yeah. So that's large. And then, yeah. Yeah. So that was, yeah. it was fun though. I got through it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I wanted Another, to jump to one of my, I'm sorry. I was going to mention just one more thing okay. um, about experimenting. I uh, I recently got uh, some new watercolor paints uh, this year, and uh, I was listening. I I was listening to the uh, I like your work podcast about uh, that the one that Lisa Solomon was on, and she okay. wrote a book about doing. Have you listened to that one? No, I, I haven't yet. No. Okay, but she wrote a book uh, about uh, like these color meditations. Okay. And she talked a lot about it and I listened to the podcast and I was like, Oh man, these are cool. And so I was like, I just, I was like, that is like the perfect thing for me to do. Like these color meditations, like you, like she talked about how before she started painting, she would do these color meditations where she would, it would just be like dots or yeah. like lines or like triangles. And I just like got so excited about that. And I like ordered her book <laughs> and okay. I, uh, and I, and I, I've been doing the color meditations for like a month or two. I don't do them every day, but sometimes I I've been doing them and I just love the, like, uh, cause watercolor has a really different touch than, uh, like than acrylic paint. Like it's just, yeah. it's really like sensitive and slow or I don't know. And, but so I've been doing that and like, you, it doesn't, you don't have to make any decisions. You just, you're like, I'm just going to paint dots. It's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's That's not, cool. it would help with like transitions from like, I don't know, for me, I, transitions are tough. Like if I walk on the door, like I got to paint for three hours, it's, it, I'm not going to start for another 45 minutes. Cause it's mindset, like all kinds of things, you know? I know. Same thing. Like I, 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 and I was trying to like, just get to work right away. Yeah. Cause I like, it takes me a long time to get started and I'm like, and set up my palette and, and yeah. sometimes I, and then try to figure out what am I going to work on today? And like, you have all of these questions, you have all these colors that you can use, but watercolor is so nice because she, she talked about in the book that she has these little, these little watercolor pans and you don't even have to set out the palette. You just get out the watercolor pans and just the water, it's just right there. You don't even have to set your palette out and then you just do it. It's like yeah. hardly any cleanup. Um, and then I just, uh, I have all this paper around and it, and I've been finding it makes my, when I go to work on my acrylic painting, it just, it gives me a different like touch or a different flow or a, like a lightness or a freedom. Cause yeah. you know, it's just the like action of like making those dots or it just kind of like, releases something and it's sort of like you know some people like meditate before they start a painting or at the beginning of their day or something but i like yeah. that i liked how warm she, up, right yeah and so that's i've been doing that I, to kind of experiment in the studio in, in the past couple of months i want to jump to one of my favorite questions and okay. I, I wanted to ask if you could use three to five words to describe your work or a particular series is fine too 
we'll okay. just set some rules for that one. <laughs> that sounds good. I like yeah. that question because it's specific. Um, so the Sea Change series, which is a series I did, uh, let's see, I think that was like 2016 to 2018 or something like that. But so when I was working on that series, I had three words that I wrote on a, uh, a sheet of eight and a half by 11 paper and taped it to my wall. And those words were uh, scale change, movement, and transformation. Oh, cool. And those were the, I guess, what I was trying to do in each of the paintings. So I wrote them on a piece of paper and hung them on the wall because yeah. I wanted to make myself think about those three things while I was making in the painting. So I wouldn't forget <laughs> that that's what I wanted to make the paintings about. Right. And that's like, that, I guess we were talking earlier about, well, parameters and things like that. It's kind of a, like a springboard, I guess you could say, would you say for another series or a group of paintings or what, why, yeah, like you were saying, sea change. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I, I think there's still a lot I could still, uh, discover, um, within those, uh, kind of parameters. Yeah. They're just, there's, they're things that are interesting to me. Sometimes it's, it's something that I want to do more or like go farther into that, you know, more yeah. scale change, more, more micro macro or whatnot. That's cool. You have, you, it's kind of exciting on my end because I feel like you have endless material source material for the way you've been painting <laughs> over the last 10 years, you know? I know if, it's if, the, the world is such an exciting place. I just, I'm so excited by just so many different things. So yeah, yeah I definitely, I just, I definitely feel like I have a lot of things to be inspired by. The other day I watched that movie Annihilation with Natalie Portman. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah. And I knew about it for a while, and I guess it's not really that old. I think it's within the last three years, and I think it was only released on Netflix, but I'm not 100% sure. And it was because of this interview that was coming up, because I, I knew it had something to do with some sort of like phenomenon, like the natural uh, thing that was advancing, and everything beyond. It was called The Shimmer, and everything beyond that. Maybe I shouldn't tell you too much, because if you're going to see it, I don't want to <laughs> take away the exciting parts, but um, it was... Natalie Portman and a team of three other women went into the shimmer. And of course, oh. yeah, like beyond that, beyond that, like, so it was like a film, like you could just walk through and it was so weird. It didn't Ow. affect them though. Yeah. And it was cool. shimmering, but beyond it, the, the flower species were, you know, 30 different on one stem. <gasps> oh my yeah, God. Like <laughs> it, it's, and I feel like it's a terrible title because annihilation, it just sounds but of course they're walking into trouble in a way and okay. they kind of make that known, but uh -huh. that world, the troublesome world has some pretty cool things in it. <laughs> and I, you could say, I mean, our natural world does too, but beyond that it was, everything was exaggerated and refracted. And I'm trying to think where I was going with that. Um, anyway, just because of your imagery, I've said, I'm going to finally sit down and watch that movie. And oh, yeah, it was pretty cool because it's like, I don't want to say too much because <laughs> if you're going to watch it, I, I think it seems oh, like you already piqued your interest. I'm but excited like, about it. It sounds awesome. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. I mean, I don't know. I guess it didn't do good in the, the box office department. Uh, 
Well, that doesn't mean anything to me. I don't take that into account. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was cool. Um, I think you'll enjoy some of the beyond the the whatever, um, sort of scary parts, if you will. Like, but outside of that, it's some pretty cool stuff going on. You know, one thing about that is you, it sounds like you're talking about like a fantastical world. Yeah. And I say like that, that's sort of, I think what, what I make or I yeah. like fantastical is another, I think really good word to describe my work that, and sometimes it's so funny, like my paintings are so like real to me. Or sometimes when I like talk to other people about my painting, I get so excited about talking about like some sea creature or like, uh, or whatever I'm painting, like, cause sometimes there's like really specific sources or I just go into like the biology of this yeah. or that kind of thing. But I just, sometimes I wonder if that's, that's sort of not important because I think what I want to do is I want to make that fantastical world. It doesn't yeah. matter that it's real or that it was inspired by something like, I just sometimes wonder if that like takes away from it, you know, it's just a thought. What takes, what the, what takes away when from I what? I'm sorry. When I describe or when I oh, like describe yeah. some of the real sources or things or like what things are about. Yeah. I just like wonder, I wonder about that. Like that that's not what's interesting. Maybe it's more interesting that it's fantastical. It's not as interesting if that thing is, if I know what it is now. Or yeah. I don't <laughs> I think there's like I think each artist is potentially different with that, you know? Like some people can say, yeah. Oh, this this came from such and such and that's what inspired me. And then you look at the painting, it's like, wow, you really took off from that point. And I think that it Right. You know, clearly with yours, it looks as though you're doing the same thing. Like you it starts from biology and um like nature and what have you, and then yeah. you're taking it to this other level because it you're inventing your own color and the composition's like, you know. I'm sure a biologist would be like, I've never seen that before, but I know it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 And I have, I have had uh, biologists and stuff come to my art shows and recognize forms. And that is really exciting. And I oh, cool. have a little story. If you'll let me uh, share it about sure. my favorite biologist that contacted me. Um, I drew a sea creature. It's called, it's a carnivorous harp sponge. And it's a sponge, and uh, there's. I'll have to send you a video of it because it's like the coolest thing. So I just, I don't remember how I discovered it. I, I think a YouTube video. I think that's how I discovered this creature. And then I did a couple of paintings of it and an etching of this uh, carnivorous harp sponge. And what I really liked about the harp sponge is that it was carnivorous, so it was somewhat like dangerous. But it yeah. was also kind of shaped like a harp, so it was beautiful. So it had that dichotomy. Sponges uh, are typically like filter feeders, so um, they get their food by um, um, just like things floating around and filtering through like their columns. But this carnivorous harp sponge had evolved. Uh, it's it lives in the deep sea. And it had to be carnivorous, a little more like a spider, because it lives in the in the super uh, super deep. I don't remember how deep right at this moment, yeah. but uh, but it had to develop uh, carnivorous aspects. So it has like these little spicules on the rods, and it just kind of like 
engulfs other uh, creatures. But so yeah, I drew these, I did some paintings and some etchings and I, I don't know, I think I, I might still have this blog, but that's when I was doing a, a blog and I wrote little essays about these sea creatures. This is in my uh, love letter etching series, but the biologist that just, that was on the team of scientists that discovered this sponge. This was like in 2012. Um, he works at the Monterey Bay Aquarium in California. He found me and uh, messaged me and ended up, uh, you know, hey, I'm the scientist that discovered this creature. I was on the team or whatever. And I found your artwork. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of in a Google search or something like that. And then he ended up getting one of the prints for his uh, collection, which wow, I was just like, <laughs> I was just so touched. That's like one of the coolest things yeah. uh, ever. It was just so cool. And he, we ended up talking about some of these other sponges and creatures that he has discovered. And there was one that he named after his wife. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you have to let me draw the, the sponge yeah, that you yeah. can have your wife. So I did. And, yeah, and then he gave it to her as a gift and stuff. But oh, that's that cool. was just, like, really, like, one of the things that just makes me excited about being an artist. That was really fun. Yeah, you, like, reach and, you know, sort of somebody really responds to something like that that you've done. That's crazy. Yeah, it was cool. He was yeah. like, he discovered it. So it was very special to him in that. Yeah. You know, and he said he even found somebody that like wrote a, like wrote a song about the sponge oh, too. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> cool. That's special. If you don't mind, I have some words that I wrote down. Okay. A part of this, I cheated though. I did more than three to five. And the reason why I brought up Annihilation too was because there's part of this that points to that. So. Um, oh, cool. So I, one of the words is joy, light, the unknown. Um, and then I guess this that's like a two line two line poem that came to me. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So and actually, when it's what sparked it was Siren Song, that painting of yours. Oh wow! Cool. Yeah. So, and and then Annihilation moves its way into to this that movie. So. We come in peace, and we mean you no harm. Oh, I love it! That's perfect. That's cool, perfect. Thanks. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's fun when things pop into my head like that. You know, like that's I feel like so it's fun. not mine. <laughs> you know. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's thanks. so thoughtful. I'm so touched that it made you think of that. It's just perfect. Yeah, it's a wonderful painting, and. The painting itself, it, it looks like, you know how like some some artists will yarn bomb like trees or yeah, light yeah. posts or, you know, because um, those are tree forms to me anyway, or, or yeah, I'm not sure if that's what you meant by that, but yeah. 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 And did you send that to me? I think you sent that to me. Uh, I probably did. Yeah. yeah. So I'll, that'll be on the blog post so people can see and, you know. So Great. Yeah. yeah, that's one of my newest paintings that I just uh, finished last year. So. Okay. Cool. Well, that was the end of part one of Renee's interview. Thanks for joining us. And please be sure to keep an ear out for part two, which will surface at oddcast.com real soon. Big thanks to Renee Robbins for being such a great guest. 
This has been Oddcast. I'm your host, Philip J. Mellon. Thanks for listening, and keep the dialogue going. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me ask you this. Define abstract art. Oh, come on. Okay, here's a better one. What does this painting mean? I'm getting nowhere with this. Forget it. Hotcast Home is A-H-T-C-A-S-T dot com. Thanks again. Sounds like the party's over, but you can still stay connected. For audio, Otcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. Social, Otcast is on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. And let's not forget about Instagram. <laughs>